your Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Lockdown Longhorns podcast. I am your host, Patrick Kahn. Follow me on Twitter at Pat Sports Guy. Follow my esteemed co-host, Cami at Cami and G. Cami, it was a wild, wild Monday. Um, who would have thought that the least crazy thing we would have heard all day is that Dwayne <laughs> Rock Johnson would be the new minority owner of the XFL? I know that kind of uh, started that Monday off uh, pretty spicy, but it turns out college football kind of took over the day as a whole. It did. The Big 12 was, uh, there were plenty of headlines coming around the Big 12, and we're not just talking about the scheduling. There was this whole, uh, I don't know what, racial tension uh, over in Fort Worth uh, with TCU and a player calling out a coach. And and then it became TCU players going at each other as far as, oh, he didn't say that. He did say that. I was like, it's a bad day in Fort Worth. Oh, yeah. I definitely uh, was not envious of the chaos going on over there. And I'm still not sure what the actual truth is behind that story. But, yeah, like you mentioned, there was teammates going after each other. Um, some were on um, their side. Some weren't. Some were taking after the coach. Some weren't. So um, I know that Patterson actually – yeah, Patterson went on Twitter today and actually apologized just to kind of clear the air, but I'm still not sure where that came from. So um, hopefully they're able to handle that as a group together positively. Yeah, yeah. So he definitely took to Twitter to apologize, and uh, that, that was just a weird situation all the way around. I mean, obviously there were Texas players were reacting to it and saying, I'm glad I didn't make that choice. And, you know, there was so much going on there, but – the crazy news of the day, uh, or the biggest news of the day, Big 12 finally agreed to go with the 10-game model, a 9-plus-1 schedule playing one non-conference game. Big shock, we all knew that was going to happen. We talked about it on Monday, but now it's official. It's a 9-plus-1. Uh, Big 12 came out and said it's still going to be a few weeks before we actually have the full schedule out. I figured it would be just a simple, easy, this is your non-conference, this is your conference start dates. Uh, but apparently it's not so uh, cut and dry. Yeah, I'm still not sure what they're going to do about that because like we mentioned on the last podcast episode was that they wouldn't really have to alter Texas's schedule at all, at all really if they kept that UTEP game for their non-conference game uh, towards the end of September and then just kind of worked on through the conference schedule as is at that point. So I'm really curious to see if or how they change Texas's schedule and it might not even have much to do with Texas. It could be another uh, conference team that uh, is had, having or would have schedule conflicts in that sense with their non-conference game or when to have that or where to have it things like that. But I thought another big storyline yesterday was the Oklahoma injuries. We didn't really touch on that yet. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, this is the Locked On Longhorns podcast. <laughs> talk about Oklahoma. Hey, um, I would never cheer for an injury, but Oklahoma is definitely, um, I guess, the conference title contender with Texas. So those were kind of major in our sense. Right. Uh, Tanner Mordecai, who's been kind of in this um, quarterback battle with Spencer Rattler, everybody kind of presumed that Rattler's going to win the win the job uh but obviously he was he was supposed to be getting his opportunity against Rattler so he would be the next quarterback at OU um he has an injury doesn't require surgery but will be out uh for a few weeks apparently significant time uh so that's kind of a that's kind of a big deal there yeah 
Yeah, and they had, uh, I think the bigger one was their uh, incoming linebacker that was supposed to take Kenneth Murray's spot. Uh, sounds like he tore his ACL. He's a five-star. So uh, that was major for their defense. Yeah, Caleb Kelly, uh, he was expected to come in. Uh, I know they've had some suspensions with their linebackers as well as losing Kenneth Murray, supposed to have significant playing time. Uh, Sooner Sports, which is, I believe, the Sooner's Rivals website, mm-hmm. 24-7, um, came out and said, that uh, that it was presumed that he tore his ACL and later confirmed. Uh, so that, that was a big blow to them. Uh, but I wanted to get back to the Big 12 9 plus 1 schedule real quick, Cammie. Uh, the interesting part on this is the fact that Texas is playing UTEP. Right. UTEP was also on the schedule to play Texas Tech. Uh, but I talked to some officials out in El Paso late on Monday night and they told me that they've kind of been alerted by the Big 12 that they want the conference, the non-conference games to be played at the home stadium. And since Texas Tech was scheduled to go to El Paso, uh, that game has been canceled. Their a, their athletic director announced that announced that on Tuesday. Uh, so that's one of those situations where we have a Big 12 team in the conference with no non-conference games whatsoever. Yeah, and I think the whole reason they're waiting a couple of weeks to kind of finalize those schedule details is because of teams like that. So I don't necessarily think – I think Texas's schedule is pretty uh, cut and dry in our sense. I think a team like Texas Tech, they need to figure out uh, who they're going to put in and where and um, exactly what day they're going to play, things like that. So um, there's a lot of, I guess, small details that go into it that probably takes some time to uh, narrow down. Right, but I think that they might do a, a thing where maybe they stretch out the season further because now they have – uh, some more time, like they right. can still kick off the season week zero, August 29th, or week one on September 5th and space out uh, with some, a few bye weeks to account for cancellations, postponements, makeup dates. You know, there's going to be a lot of that. Uh, but one thing that's been on the mind of many is the Texas OU game at the Cotton Bowl Stadium. Um, we've heard from Chris Del Conte. Uh, we've heard from the athletic director at Oklahoma says it will stay at the Cotton Bowl. Uh, question is, when are they going to play it? Are they going to keep it on that same date? Are they going to move it? Uh, from people that I've talked to, says it's still going to be mid-October when they play that game. Uh, so it seems like that is going to happen, and it's still going to happen on the Texas State Fairgrounds. Yeah, I don't think that's surprising in any sense. Um, I've always felt like they should play um, in a middle ground like that, especially if they're worried about travel and things like that and the state fair not being, um, I guess, active and going on. So um, I'm not surprised by that at all. I do think it'll be played uh, probably around middle of October. I don't think Texas' schedule is going to be altered too much. Probably not. And and obviously the Big 12 championship game that's set to take place at AT AT&T Stadium, uh, if it's pushed back any at all, even a week uh, that's going to go into the Texas high school football playoffs that is played at AT&T stadium. So they may have to find a new venue for that. Uh, and one thing that the athletic was mentioning was putting it over at globe life field. Um, you know, that they played football with the XFL at that stadium. So it's already set up for football. Uh, so that could be a way that they combat that. Yeah, and I, I think they're going to run into kind of a, a lot of scheduling conflicts at this point, just considering um, all the delays and uh, conflicts other sports are going through. I know um, NBA, MLB, all, everything like that. And Texas high school football playoffs are obviously very important in the state of Texas. And um, it's kind of hard to, I guess, uh, move those around. And so 
I don't know. I don't think it really matters where they play that game at this point. Yeah, it probably won't matter. Uh, the other minor note that I wanted to bring up, uh, Texas Athletic Director Chris Del Conte said that the LSU game will definitely be made up. Uh, it's just unclear about where that's going to happen at this point. If you looked at their future scheduling, they have their non-conference pretty much booked to the max until 2027. So without any adjustments being made, it looks like it's going to be a while before the LSU Texas rematch happens. I know. And that's unfortunate because so many people and I know players and coaches in general, were looking forward to that game this season. They wanted that uh, rematch and get that win back, especially over in death Valley. But um, as long as they can play sometime in the future, I think, uh, I guess that'll be a good honorable mention to that game, but I just hate how, so how they schedule so far out. Yeah. I mean, I think they have to do it to kind of have their schedules together. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things where I'm not a huge fan of, you know, when they announced it, Oh, they're going to play Ohio state, but it's not going to be till 2032. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't care about a game 12 years from now. I want to see Texas and Ohio state play now. I want to see Texas and Alabama play now. I want to see Texas, right. Michigan play for the second time in their storied history, you know? So it's like, I want those games and I don't want to have to wait five, six years down the road. Uh, you know, but that's the way the college programs are, but I, you know, I wish there was a little more, um, I guess I wish it was a little more like the NFL where, you know, you were guaranteed to play a team from another conference, you know, every few years where they rotate and it's like, Oh, well this, this year you're playing, you know, teams from the big 10 or the PAC 12. You know, I think it was, I wish it was a little similar to that, but I understand why they schedule things the way that they do. Uh, coming up next, let's talk a little bit about B. John Robinson and the uh, running back coach Stan Drayton, uh, who uh, who's, who could be a big part of the Texas offense this year. Jamie, I, mean, I think we've talked a lot about B. John Robinson as of late. <laughs> That's your pet cat. He's my favorite player to talk about. I absolutely loved watching his his high school tape. I mean, he. he talk about a running back with balance power he catches the ball uh he's he's almost like that hybrid running back wide receiver kind of like a jordan whittington uh i think i think whittington is probably a little more dynamic when it comes to Mm -hmm. athletic ability but all around you can't discount how good b john robinson is yeah, and it makes sense why he was the nation's number one re- running back, I guess, in the 2020 recruiting class. So um, they're expecting big things from him. How do you not put him on the field? Uh, yeah, the, and, you know, and that's something that Tom Herman's talked about a lot. You know, he's talked about him getting early snaps and, and seeing time. And, you know, right now um, we're aware that Keontae Ingram has a, uh issue with a hamstring, mm-hmm. uh, which caused, could cost him some time in camp. And we'll see how kind of if it's a lingering issue, because, you know, sometimes those hamstring issues can linger. So the possibility that Bijan Robinson could see more playing time early on than even we expected. Yeah, I think he'll, I think we've always kind of agreed that he'll get significant playing time as a true freshman. But we didn't really think he would kind of take over that lead role until uh, later in the year or even the uh, 2021 off season. But if there are injuries and in that hamstrings are really tricky, if that lingers, then Ingram's going to be sidelined for uh, quite a bit of the season. And I know Roshan Johnson's ready to step in, and Bijan Robinson looks ready. I mean, we've talked about how big he looks, how fast he looks. Herman's talked about how he has to get him on the field. So I don't. 
know if I would necessarily consider this to be a breakout season for Robinson, but I definitely think he'll be noticed and get significant playing time. Well, our friends over at 24-7 Sports actually put out a list uh, in which they talked about the breakout players, the freshman breakouts, Mm -hmm. uh, who could potentially be top 50 players in all of college football. Um, As we know, 24-7 likes to put out lists on their top 50 players periodically, and they think B. John Robinson could be one of those guys in a breakout year. And, you know, they mentioned kind of what we talked about, a little bit about, you know, the injury to Keontae and, and, you know, how dynamic he is. So I thought it was interesting to had him on the list. They had Zachary Evans from TCU on the list. And they also had Spencer Rattler, who is a redshirt freshman, on the list for Oklahoma. Yeah, but I, I think what helps Bijan's case, and especially um, considering if you look at Texas roster in terms of true freshmen, he's the one guy that sticks out most if you uh, looked at his hype um, throughout his recruiting trail. But I guess Texas's offensive scheme is heavy on using two running backs, and they produce back-to-back 1,000-yard rushers. So uh, he's going to get his carries, especially if Ingram is hurt, but I think he's still going to uh, kind of be within that uh, running back by committee, even if Ingram's healthy and on the field. So um, he's the best bet in terms of a true freshman. Uh, to have a breakout season but um, like I said it's going to be running back by committee the ability to have a two-back set Mike Yersich likes to use multiple running backs it's something that he did at Oklahoma State they didn't do it at Ohio State but that's because they had Justin Fields and J.K. Dobbins they didn't really need to do anything else Uh, but but having looking back at Oklahoma's system that's what they did they used multiple running backs so I think it's smart to have a two-back system you don't want to wear him out too early but I thought it was interesting uh you follow Brian Carrington oh yes well he did this thread on Twitter the other day about running back coach Dan Drayton and why running backs are going to want to come play and you know I thought it was interesting is he shared a video where they're talking to Ezekiel Elliott and Stan was at Ohio State with Ezekiel Elliott and he talked about how Stan Drayton helped him so much in his game he said he goes I didn't vote I didn't solely you know focus on you know his instincts or playing in a certain way he said I started he goes he wanted me to anticipate and he goes and not just anticipate what I'm doing what my offensive line is doing what all the guys around me are doing he said made me a better football player so it made me think that a Stan Drayton if he's able to develop like we hope and he can take a guy like B. John Robinson who to me he's very similar in size and build of an Ezekiel Elliott. Ooh, yeah. And I think that thread was actually genius of him to go and put on Twitter because um, I was just talking about this today in the uh, article that we'll get on in a little bit in terms of them targeting these highly rated running backs um, and how they could kind of, uh, I guess, be swayed away from Texas and just in the fact that B. John Robinson is there and obviously he's expected to take over the lead role. But um, it, I guess it's really important that they put that thread on there because it, it kind of exemplified the fact that uh, Mike Gersich's scheme is really heavy on using two running backs. And um, we'll get into this in a little bit, too. And Robinson is actually trying to pull these highly rated running backs in with him to kind of uh, form a duo in that backfield because I guess the shelf life for running backs is so short and things like that. So we always need to be healthy. But um, I thought that was really genius. It was a great re- recruiting tactic. And I think that's why Carrington is uh, one of the best recruiters in the nation. Yeah, I mean, I think that that definitely helps. Uh, also, want to talk about something that was on 24-7 Sports. The most underrated defenses in college football. There's 20 of them that they put together. 
And the last team mentioned on there was Texas. Are you at all surprised given the way that people kind of have looked at Texas defense as of late, especially under Todd Orlando, that they would be listed as an underrated defense? Um, I do like that they're listed as underrated because honestly, I don't think they could get, get much worse than they were. But I mean, you have a new defensive coordinator coming in. You obviously have the talent on that side of the ball. We've talked about two highly uh, rated NFL draft prospects in Caden Stearns and Joseph Asai. And, um, and they need a little bit more talent and depth, I think, at the linebacker position. But obviously, we've talked about how um, talented their secondary is. And um, they're going to be getting after the quarterback finally this year and be a little more aggressive than in the past season. So I think they could be a bit underrated just because uh, people aren't really sure what to expect. So um, I definitely think they'll make a jump forward this season. Yeah, the, the thing that they talked about a little bit is, you know, being so low in the rankings. They were 97th in, in yards per game allowed. Um, you know, that suggests that you're not very good, but they have a new defense coordinator, Chris Ash. Uh, Cole Hutzman has come over from uh, Auburn, who he worked with a coach that we're familiar with in, in uh, Muschamp. Uh, he comes over here, and what they're saying here is not to make excuses for the Longhorns, but Texas rarely played with a full deck defensively last season. And he's right. I mean, the, the defense was constantly injured. If, if it wasn't Caden Stearns or, you know, whoever, B.J. Foster, he spent some time being injured, you know. So it's it's never like they have their full plethora or their full cabinet of, of weapons to be able to use. So I think that that's a good point. And hopefully if they can stay healthy with, the, with Joseph Asai being their quarterback hunter, so to speak, maybe that improves the defense drastically in 2020. Oh, yeah, I think so, too. So I, I don't know. I think they'll kind of – I guess they even could be labeled a, a breakout um, in terms of a, a defensive unit that makes the biggest jump um, from one season to the next, but I guess we'll have to see. We'll definitely have to see. Uh, let's let's get dive into a little bit of recruiting news, and somebody's really excited about quarterback Sam Ellinger. Texas definitely has been looking at linebacker a lot this – off season, and it's a potential that they might have a new transfer coming. Uh, Tony Fields decided to transfer out of Arizona, and one of the teams that he was looking at is the University of Texas. Um, as of right now, his 24-7 profile doesn't have anything on a crystal ball prediction for transferring, so it seems like it's a bit up in the air where he's actually going to go. Yeah, I think um, they've had a lot of uh, talk and discussions with uh, Texas and West Virginia. I think those are two maybe of his top destinations, but um, it sounds like there's rumblings that Tony Fields will be um, in Austin on a self-guided tour sometime uh, this week or next. So I think that's a very positive sign. That's kind of something that tight end Gunnar Helm did throughout his recruiting trail just due to the COVID-19 restrictions and things like that. And they kind of take it upon themselves to come uh, check out the campus and things like that before they commit. But I mean, it'd be a Texas is a great spot for uh, someone like Tony Fields to come because we've mentioned how much um, they don't have depth at linebacker right now. I mean, uh, one of the projected starters uh, overshone is actually switching over from the safety position. So um, and Tony Fields is an inside linebacker. I think it, he would probably get immediate playing time uh, with the Longhorns. So I don't see why he wouldn't at least uh, seriously consider committing here. Yeah, I think, like you said, we 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 didn't really know. And I think a part part of this is when all this is going on when Marvin Overshone was sitting at home 
in Arp, Texas. Um, it's kind of when that Tony Fields thing started. So it might have been a deal where they were they didn't know if they were going to have him. So they're looking at Fields like, we got to get this guy in here. Uh, but it provides depth. Like you said, there have been so many injury problems with this defense over the oh, last gosh. several years yes. that adding players, it, it, I would rather have too many players than not enough. Um, exactly. And so I think that's part of it. So you, you bring him in, he's coming in for a visit, according to the report from 24 uh, seven, you know, so that's good. Uh, I think getting him on campus will be a huge thing uh, to sway him to come to Texas, obviously, and, and play for that new defense under Chris Ash. Uh, then there's also the idea of pursuing a running back in LJ Johnson. Uh, and that's where B. John Robinson has kind of gotten involved in it. Uh, as they try to get, like you said, another running back in here. Oh, yeah. He's a four-star running back out of Cypress, Texas, Cypher High School. So uh, he's not too far, although crystal ball predictions currently have him leaning towards Texas A&M. He did mention uh, that Texas is actually pushing the hardest towards him, that he's been in consistent communication with Bijan Robinson and talking about your citrus scheme that we kind of mentioned earlier on in this show where they're heavy on using two running backs. So um, he would get significant playing time. Um, Texas can make a late push to try and land him. I think that would be uh, pretty significant for the 2021 class. But um, like I mentioned, Texas A&M is still heavily in the running as well. Yeah, we got to keep him away from A&M. That's, that's, that's all I, I care well, about. Well, what stinks for Texas is that Elodie Johnson's predictions are Texas A&M and Kamar Wheaton's are to Oklahoma. So the two schools that we definitely don't want them uh, attending is looking pretty likely. So hopefully Texans can make a late push for one of them. Yeah, definitely for one of them. Uh, you know, Kamar Wheaton's, that one's a little tricky in that he's keeping everything close to his chest. Like he's not telling anybody where he's leaning one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Oklahoma was in on him early on. Um, so that's where I think a lot of people are, are thinking he'll go to Oklahoma. Obviously, uh, they use running backs a lot in their system and very productive. Uh, but, you know, so I think that's kind of where that came from. But I still think Kamar Wheaton is a is a uh, real possibility, uh, as well as L.J. Johnson, uh, especially given the fact that they have Stan Drayton there and uh, the whole thing with, with the Brian Carrington's thread that he put out there. I feel like that was targeting a guy like LJ Johnson. Oh, like, I think so too. Like especially what he can do. Yeah, especially with Bijan um, and the communications with him as well, trying to uh, tell him basically a reassure him that he'll receive plenty of playing time, um, kind of as a duo uh, in the backfield. So I think that definitely was a smart and very targeted uh, thread on Twitter that they did. Absolutely, and, and you know, running back's a huge part of this team. But you know, the guy handing him the ball is is pretty important too. Uh, if you pay attention to the Reese Senior Bowl, uh, their executive director actually tweeted out about how excited they are to watch Sam Ellinger this season, uh, which is not a surprise. He's a senior quarterback, and and obviously playing in the Senior Bowl is huge because you get to work with the NFL staff as you prepare to get ready for the NFL draft. Yeah, and I think he's 
Probably already being tabbed in mid to late round draft selection, but um, if he can stay healthy and have another impressive season under his belt, um, obviously getting invited to the Senior Bowl and um, having a successful showing there will only increase his draft stock. Um, we've mentioned this several times, but Joe Burrow, for example, wasn't even uh, mentioned as a potential first round selection heading into the 2019 season, much less the number one overall pick. So anything can happen. But yeah, the preseason hype keeps going Ellinger's way. He's uh, mentioned to the Manning Award, Max Maxwell Award, Davy O'Brien Award, Award, a World Watch List. And um, we've mentioned how he's been selected as a preseason All Big 12 selection and first team All Big 12 preseason selection by Phil Still. So um, he has that Heisman Trophy contender hype. It's just in terms of how far he can kind of lead this Longhorns team in, in or if into the college football playoffs. So, um, but I think that. Uh, the fact that this, I guess, executives for the Senior Bowl are excited to watch him is kind of a sure bet that he will likely receive an invite to the Senior Bowl. Uh, yeah, I think that's a uh, pretty good uh, guesstimation there. Uh, we'll talk a little bit uh, on Friday's episode with Dane Brugler. I'm going to ask him all about Sam Ellinger and where he has him uh, on his latest write-up about the quarterback position in the NFL draft. He had Sam listed as his number five overall senior quarterback oh so yeah it, i'm really yeah i'm really curious of his ceiling so i can't wait to see what brigler says about um what he thinks ellinger's ceiling is i guess in terms of his nfl draft uh stock but or what he kind of needs from ellinger throughout his senior season so that'll be a lot of good information yeah i think there will be plenty of good information and like i said on friday i'm going to get into all that with dane brugler of the athletic we're going to talk about sam ellinger Joseph Asai. Of course, we're going to talk to Samuel Cosme, Caden Stearns, Derek Kerstetter. I mean, there's plenty of guys up and down this roster who I think have an NFL ceiling. And I would even throw Keontae Ingram in there. Oh, uh, yeah. Provided he can stay healthy. Uh, he, he kind of reminds me of that dual threat running back that's all the rage right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in, in the NFL with that being, being able to – not only be a good runner, but be a good pass catcher. Uh, we've seen plenty uh, of players who who have made it to the NFL like that. And, um, you know, so it's going to be interesting to see where all these players rank. And, and, and I'll try and get into as much as I can in, in the time limit that we're allowed. Uh, so, but that's going to do it for this edition of the Locked on Longhorns podcast. Uh, for Cammie, I'm Patrick. And as always, keep it locked on. Welcome.